Does your work energize you? Does it make your impact on the world? Welcome to Start Anew, the show that looks beyond success into freedom, fulfillment, and your passion-driven career. Join your host, Sumbul Sang, for inspiring stories and bite-sized training to help you start anew with clarity. And now, here is Sumbul. Hey there, starters. Welcome to Motivation Monday on the Start A New Show with Sumbul Sang. On Motivation Mondays, I interview inspiring individuals who have started anew in life with a new dream, a new vision, doing what they love and sharing their gifts with the world. I hope that their incredible stories inspire you to start anew with clarity and confidence. If you want to start anew in life, then you must begin with self-awareness. Download your free self-awareness toolkit from any page on the website at letsstartanew.com. In a moment, you and I will be joined by my guest, Don Hutchison. Don is a lifelong entrepreneur who's never had a boss. He has created six innovative companies in advertising, publishing, coaching, and career planning. He is a coach and host of the daily podcast, Discover Your Talent, do what you love. Today, in part one of our interview, we unfold Dawn's entrepreneurial journey. In part two of the interview, which goes on air on Wednesday, we get Dawn to put his coaching hat on and coach you on how to discover your talents. Now, without any further ado, let's get Dawn on board. Dawn, hello, and welcome to the Start A New Show. Sumble, it's uh, so great to be here. What a pleasure. I'm looking forward to our chat. Don, I know that you're having a blast podcasting and doing what you love these days, but let's go back in time. Take us to the start of your career and tell us how did you manage to escape getting a job straight out of college? It was, um, I don't know if it was destiny or great instincts or blind luck, but I had finished, um, it, this was during the, the middle of the Vietnam uh, thing, and I was drafted. I, I was a good student, but I I got bored in college, and I was drafted and went into the military for three years and, and uh, did my time as a, a Russian linguist, which was an interesting tour of duty in Germany. When I got out, I finished my degree and was all set to be a teacher. I, I, wanted to, I was majoring in Russian language and literature. I was just interested in, in that. And I had this really great job lined up at a, a really fine private school in Atlanta, Georgia, where I was born and raised. And about three months before I was to start that position in the fall and probably head on into at least a beginning life in academia and et cetera, a friend of mine contacted me and said, I've got this idea for a, a magazine. This was, of course, before online. It was a regular, um, regular magazine. And it was about culture and outdoor stuff. And, uh, and he didn't have a lot of money. He worked at Delta Airlines. But I was totally fascinated with it. And for some reason... I said yes, so I, I turned. My, I instantly turned my back on the, on the, the, the path well traveled, and took the road less traveled, and it made all the difference. 
this is when you're straight out of college, a young man. What did your family or friends have to say about your decision to, you know, turn down your teaching position and go on this adventure with your friend? Well, I have to say that uh, I have to say that my family was always supportive. I didn't come from a family of entrepreneurs. I came from a really fine family on both my mother's and father's side, and they they worked in different industries, from the railroad industry to the insurance industry. And but they were um, they they um, they just trusted that I would trust my instincts and uh, do the right thing. And they might have been a little anxious, you know, because it definitely was a startup that, uh, that didn't have a lot of funding. But uh, I guess they figured I, uh, I had to go find out for myself. So tell us a bit more about the startup venture with you and your friend. How long did that go on for? Was it a success or a failure? It's, going, it's been going on for another 42 years since that time that we got going. Uh, it's been a success. We, um, I did it, I, I guess you could say, while well, university was, of course, learning all the academic stuff and the classical thinking and modalities of learning, uh, this was my chance to learn all about the nuances of business because I didn't really know anything at all. So for about oh, eight and a half years, I did a deep dive into not just publishing, but into all aspects of business, particularly on the marketing side and the strategy side. So I read all the great thinkers that I could get my hands on and, uh, and learned all about publishing. And because we had advertising as our source of revenue, I learned about the advertising business. And uh, it was a fascinating journey. Yeah, it was a fascinating journey. At the same time, I was doing, I like what you say about it all starts with self-awareness and the introduction of your show, because it does, in my in my strong opinion. And so I did a lot of other reflection on uh, on the self-awareness side through meditation and learning about other modalities rather than the Western modality. What was your work-life balance like at that time in your life when you and your friend are running a startup? You have lots to learn about running a business, about publishing and marketing and making money and all, all that kind of stuff. It's interesting. We didn't focus on that so much. I mean, it wasn't the topic that it is today because today it's it's probably far more intense than it, than it ever has been in life because of a lot of modalities, a lot of things. But it was um, – actually, it was pretty balanced. I mean, I worked, you know, good, strong hours, but uh, I didn't work around the clock. I didn't work seven days a week. I probably worked, you know – six days a week. And uh, because it was a recreational magazine outdoors as well as, as cultural and environmental, you know, we had a lot of chances, a lot of chances, a lot of opportunities to go hiking and canoeing and get out into the, the countryside around Atlanta and around Georgia and uh, explore. So it was pretty, um, it was, it was very gratifying. Sounds like a perfect venture for a young man. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, Truly, I was on another show recently, and I, I had to say that the two, um, the two, the two most seminal, besides the influence of family, and which was incredibly strong, especially the women in my life, for giving an alpha male a perspective, which, <laughs> which, 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 well, yeah, we can talk about that for a few minutes. That, I think that's probably the most critical part of my upbringing. But, but uh, the two most important things that were in my early career was making this decision to take the road less traveled and get into the startup that was underfunded and learn all about business. And the second was that my partner, after seven and a half, almost eight years, um, fired me. And that was the second most important turning point and actually equally, if not more important than the first one of taking a chance and going with this, with this startup. 
So your partner and friend fired you from your first business. What were your thoughts and feelings at this time? Are you thinking, oh, I'm going to go and get a job now? Never crossed my mind. <laughs> no, it never, it never flickered in my mind. I, I don't know where that came from. I mean, I, I don't want to sound like I'm some prescient uh, guru. I'm just a guy trying to get through the day like everybody else. But, but it never crossed my mind. Thanks to him, and he's still a friend 42 years later, by the way, and a good friend. But thanks to him, I took that road less traveled. I I was I was not on the path to do that. And then when he he had he believed that I this is a funny story that'll play out in the interview. But we were growing, but not as fast as he wanted us to, or as I wanted us to, of course. And he figured that uh, I didn't know enough about marketing to get us where we needed to go. And so one day we had this cup of coffee at uh, at a shopping mall near where the office was, and he said, "Hey, I love you, brother, but." Uh, I just think we've got to go faster, and I don't think you're the right guy for the job. So, yeah, I was surprised, but, um, well, as you'll see as the story plays out, it was the second best thing that ever happened to me. So I had all this knowledge, and then I had to regroup or pivot, as everybody says, and think about what's next here. You know, I was thinking I'd stay there, uh, you know, for, for a long time more, and uh, but that, that opportunity was, uh, that, that's, those circumstances changed. Hindsight is twenty twenty, as they say. It was a pivotal point in your, in your life, being fired, and it opened new doors for you. But when it actually happened, was there a period of time, I don't know, days or weeks or months, when you weren't sure what you were going to do next? Oh, sure, sure. I, yeah, I, um, I knew this, Sambal. I knew that I... What comes with with um, using your talents, and I knew that I, I was a well. I learned in the course of those eight years. I didn't know anything, but I learned in the course of those eight years that I was I had an original bent in my thinking, and that I was a, a good communicator and a, a growingly good leader. I was new at it, and certainly had an instinct for marketing. But you know, I, I I wasn't sure where to package those. But as I reflected on it, I realized that. The thing that intrigued me the most, the editorial side was utterly fascinating, of course, but what intrigued me equally as much was the marketing side. So after, you know, not very much time, I don't know, a couple of weeks of just licking my wounds and, um, you know, just, just being reflective a little bit and saying, okay, let's see what we can make of this. I realized that I was really fascinated with the advertising world because as a publication in the state of Georgia, based in Atlanta, we had we had the best ad agencies in that region. And so I just said, well, let's see what that's about. And I just, you know, I, I called on them as the publisher of this magazine. And so I, I picked out three or four that I respected the most and uh, just started doing informational interviews just to see what I could find out. Well, I was blessed because we had good relations and we were well regarded and well respected. I got in to see and everybody I wanted to see. And I think out of the three or four interviews, I even got a couple of offers. Mm-hmm. I think I got two two offers. Well, it was odd because I wasn't an ad guy, right? I was a publishing guy. But they, they saw me as a guy who had started something from nothing, made something out of nothing, which is one of my one of my um, key goals. And they thought, well, this guy, you know, he's he's got a basic marketing instinct and he can probably add a lot in business development in some other areas. And uh, so I, I got a couple of offers that I reflected on from very good people that I still know today. And um, I thought, hmm. And I'd been reading some classic advertising books by by David Ogilvy and Fairfax Cohn and uh, some classics like uh, by Claude Hopkins and those kind of people. And I thought, you know, I think I'd like to do this on my own. So I th- there was a guy that had a a pretty small agency that uh, that had had placed ads in our uh, in our publication, 
And I called him up and just talked to him. And he'd, he'd grown all right. He wasn't knocking it out of the park, but he was a smart guy and a, and a good guy. And we had a couple of conversations and uh, just, to, you know, just decided to um, throw our hat in the ring in the, in the world of advertising and build, build his little agency and see what we could do. It became Hutchison and Anderson. And uh, we just took off from, he, he had a f- couple of projects, but he didn't have a lot of business. And we took off from a dead start and, uh, so now you're working on your second startup. Exactly. How did that pan out? I'd done a deep dive into the advertising world and studied, you know, the great classics and uh, both the marketing from the marketing side and the advertising side. And so I conceptually, I knew a lot. I wasn't experienced. And, but um, I also knew how to meet people and get to know companies and uh, get to know people in companies and wasn't afraid to make a, quote, cold call on somebody. I, I, you know, I just had had some confidence in that. We, we landed our first million-dollar account after 89 days. Wow. Yeah, yeah what's, this was back there. This was in the early 80s, for heaven's sakes. And, um, yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah, we did. <laughs> and, uh, again, there's so much of life is, is intention and vision and abilities and skills and all the things we'll talk about in the coaching segment. But so much of it is, is just timing and you know, cosmic luck and uh, everything else. So we, yeah, we landed a, a million dollar account in 89 days and, and built from there over the next year, next, uh, oh, I guess, three and a half years till we built it up to about 10 million. I love how humble you are and, and say that while you all had the talents, luck played a little role in your success as well. It reminds me of something I was reading recently. There's a book called Outliers. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I know that book. Have you read it? I have not. I've just heard about it. I need to read it because I hear great things about it. It is not a light read, I must warn you, though. Really, really deep stuff, really good book. Uh, And the author, I don't know why I can't remember his name. He basically analyzes success, you know, by looking at lives of a lot of successful people and some not so successful people. And one of the things he points out is that uh, being at the right place at the right time, luck, you might call it, or being in front of the right opportunities, has played a significant part in the success of, you know, many uh, successful people that we know of today, including the likes of Steve Jobs and Bill Gates. So yeah, really interesting read. I think it, it, it was very humbling for me to read that and realize that. And you acknowledged as well that luck plays a little role there. So you run this ad agency, which is massively successful. Is that something you're still doing today? No. After about four years, I decided that um, we needed to pivot in another direction. Uh, It was a highly competitive international marketplace and regional and national marketplace. And I made my partner at the time an offer he couldn't refuse. And uh, because I I just realized I wanted to go in another direction. And I hooked up with... um, with careful consideration and good timing again, uh, one of the top creative talents in the country uh, that had been with one of the great agencies that ever come out, ever came out of the South, and they had merged, and he was, as it happens, available and being courted by agencies around the world. And f- again, the timing and the serendipity of this and the luck and the fortune is that we got together and hit it off. So while he was being courted by everybody from Saatchi to, you know, who, who knows, he picked this, uh, this uh, redneck from 
Decatur, Georgia, that had this little little age startup agency that was doing pretty well, and we started uh, another ad agency together called Hutchison Chutsey. Yeah, yeah, because he was he was a creative powerhouse with, with a huge reputation, and we had a base of business. And I figured with what I knew about building an organization and and about business development, and what he knew about the the, the incredible power of great big ideas. Um, that we could do something. Was there any point uh, in this journey uh, of advertising when you felt like, I'm bored with this, I want to do something different? That only happened, that only happened after we, um, my partner, Virgil Schutze, and I, with two other partners, um, Ron Fisher and Jerry Brown, had, and a great, great team of incredibly talented people from around the country, had... Um, had built that up real significantly after about six years. And uh, we really were blessed to grow that with big brands, you know, Fortune 500 companies. And we, we had the right team, you know, we, we had people in the right roles, which is key, uh, using their talents to the maximum. And when we built it up to a, a significant size, I, um, and I was not a lifetime ad person like they were. That's what they'd done all their careers. I'd been in publishing, as I just said. And I just, um, I was just bitten by another entrepreneurial bug after about another six years. So I, I didn't, it wasn't like I got bored. It's like another, because advertising is never boring. Today it's not boring. But it was like after a certain period of time, I had, um, you know, my goals are create something out of nothing, do good, have fun, and make money. And so I, I had a hankering to really create something out of nothing, and an opportunity came along that captured my imagination, and we were positioned in such a place that, that I could make that switch. Interestingly enough, I worked for an ad agency for about seven years or so. Well, I wasn't in management or leadership position, just a little minion, and I started to feel, this is also around the time I, I turned 30 and become a mother, I started to feel like, you know, my work isn't very meaningful and I wanted to do something that had more impact on the lives of people. Did you ever have a feeling like that? Well, you're um, sharing your story, it's a fascinating story, is, is a perfect segue into what really happened. Yeah, I did. And what happened was, Advertising is, is incredible in, in every way. I, I have nothing but praise and admiration for everybody that's in that field then and today. But what happened was I, um, I got fascinated with how people – this is the, the early underpinnings of what we're doing now with the podcast. I got fascinated about the topic of how people use the best of who they are or don't, Okay. Peter Drucker said. Mm -hmm. Peter Drucker said in a Harvard Business Review article, I think in 1995, uh, most people think they know what they're good at. They're usually wrong, and furthermore, they're not even. They don't even really know what they're not good at. And I just I started observing that in clients and uh, and myself, you know, and, and everybody. And I had the good fortune of running across a uh, a service that's been around for a long time that helps you figure out your innate communication problem-solving and learning skills. This is not a personality test or an interest inventory or any of that. It's based on a process that was developed in the 20s at General Electric. And I, one of my employees had gone through that from a private school in Atlanta, and it was so galvanizing to her life that it, it changed everything for her. And she went off to a great school and uh, 
And it was, it was very meaningful to her. So I went through it myself. This is a couple of years before we sold the ad agency. And it just, it just opened my eyes to two things. One, how we don't know ourselves well enough at all from a spiritual, emotional, intellectual, or any other kinds of way. And two, how the career planning process uh, from the time we're in our families of origin to schools and universities and corporations is, um, is inadequate. Not out of ineptitude or not out of you know, any kind of uh, bad spirit on the part of anybody. Everybody's doing the best they can. But it's just a very inexact science and inexact process. So I, th- I just got curious about how people do it and how it could be done better. And that led me to a big idea turned out to be a big idea. I didn't know. I was just stumbling along trying to figure it out. But that led me to a belief that if somebody took that problem apart, really took it apart, and just didn't say, well, I've got this little piece or that little piece, wouldn't that be a nice turn of events? And so I, I, mm-hmm. I, I couldn't get it out of my mind. And uh, we were at a juncture. My partners were creative geniuses, and their work on the creative side won uh, literally won international recognition at Con Film Festival and the British Design Show and the Clio's. We we won, I think, in our fourth year, we won more awards than every agency in the world except five. And those were creative awards, which are really hard to come by. And I give all the credit to my three creative partners. So we were positioned in a really good way and in a good place. Plus, we were very profitable. Again, I had a great financial partner. And um, we were in a good position to um, to pivot. And this was in about 1992. And we took a different approach to, like I said, educational life and career planning and a holistic approach. And we just started, uh, you know, from scratch. Did that feel like this was the thing you were going to do for the rest of your life? I was so satisfied with it and so excited by what we saw from the get-go about the, the shifts, the very pivotal, seminal shifts that happens in people's lives, we ended up having a a process that took about, let's see, it took about 12 weeks. This was not a a, a quick solution, but we had workshops that uh, happened every week for 12 weeks, and there was follow-on work. And what happened in the shifts in people, in their own words and in the research we did, was so... um, was so powerful and so profound that they they could make changes to see that they um, whether they were in maybe they were in, in a field that they liked but there could be a aspect of that that they could they could shift and do more of what they liked or whether they were in a field that they didn't like or even disliked and could make uh, develop over time a strategy to morph out of that it didn't matter whether they were heading out from high school to college or whatever stage they were pre-retirement, they could take a strategic look at their lives, a holistic look at their lives, and uh, and really make the kind of changes that most people don't get to make. So yeah, I didn't see any reason to do anything different. Before you started this company in advertising, you're making, you're making a lot of money for big companies, getting them results, and now you're in a business where you're transforming lives. How did that make you feel? It couldn't have made me feel better. My goals are create something out of nothing, do good, have fun, and make money. So I'd created something out of nothing, and and uh, we were doing profound good, and it was it was so gratifying and just stimulating to to do it. It was great fun, and you know we were building up the the business and the financial side over time. But you know I figured that uh, with a good strategy that would uh, 
you know, that would come in time. So you're doing good, having fun and making money. And what led you to podcasting? After 10 years, we ended up selling that company. And it was a lot of reasons for that. It was just time. And we needed to take it to the next level. This was in 2001, when many listeners will know the dot-com crash. We were not a dot. We were not, we were not a dot-com, but the dot-com crash profoundly impacted the uh, the economy, as everyone knows. And we we needed more capital, uh, a lot more capital. We were just learning about the internet. It had been around since you know 1990 and so forth, but we needed a lot more capital than we had. We'd invested a lot in it, so it was time to leave. But what led me to podcasting was that I and let's see, when was it? It was 2009. Here I am, a guy who'd been in outbound marketing, placing radio and television and magazines and direct mail and newspaper ads through his agencies. And I read uh, Inbound Marketing by the HubSpot founders, Dharmesh Shah and Brian Halligan. And I realized in reading that, literally in the, in the November, December 2009, that the whole thing was an epical shift. What had gone on was an epical shift here. And this, this amazing thing called the Internet had made it possible, instead of spending you know, massive amounts of dollars pushing your message out to to try to attract an audience or try to influence an audience. Mm -hmm. You could do, you could do it by having sublimely good content, which is something I knew a lot about to attract an audience. And, uh, and as I studied that for a handful of years while I was doing some consulting and coaching, I realized that this podcasting thing, was it was an idea whose time had finally come, especially in the last few years after serial Made such a big smash, and uh, mm-hmm. and watch and as we saw, all kinds of uh, different podcasters, John John Lee Dumas and Pat Flynn and Tim Ferriss do so well with their own podcast. I thought, hmm, there's there's no bigger problem out there than the one we set out to address with the Highlands program in 1990. This this who am I? What do I want to do with our lives? My life? Wouldn't it be interesting if you could do a podcast that incorporated all that learning? with a podcast that interviewed people and let them share their stories, let the individuals share their stories about how they took the road less travel and what they did and the tactics and strategies that got them where they are today using more of their talents than not and feeling a lot of success, satisfaction, and freedom. Yeah, I've listened to a couple of recent episodes of your show and really inspiring stories there. There's also a sort of an expert segment you do on the show. As I got into it, my business partner, Jan Freund, and I were looking at the ways to offer the highest value, to serve up the highest value. And as I looked into it, I thought, okay, this is this is great. Nobody's really doing it like this. They're certainly not going into people's backstory to the extent that we do and, and serving up the jewels and the turning points that made where they made the hard decisions to inspire people that they can do the same thing. But we need more than that. We need experts to talk about different ways to get to know yourself and develop strategies and set goals and develop discipline and trust your instincts and all those things. So every Friday we bring on a guest that does just that. And they're from around the world, just like our guests are. And we seek them out through various means. Our show is growing and getting a lot of good attention, I'm proud to say. But um, we find them or they find us. Don. Before we wrap up this segment of the interview, tell us how does this podcast fit in your wider business strategy? 
Good question. It is, uh, it's the centerpiece because it's the brand. It's, it's the reason, the raison d'etre. It's why we're doing this. Uh, 87% of people around the world in the 18-month or 20-month Gallup survey are not using their talents doing work they love. 70-some-odd percent in, in the United States, land of opportunity, are not doing that. So we focus on that problem directly more than anybody that I've seen. Um, that's the starting point. From this point on, starting actually, it's coincidental that we're doing this interview right now because over the next 30 days, literally the next 34 days, we are developing um, membership groups. Membership groups have been around for a dozen years and uh, used by so many great, successful internet marketers. We want to do membership groups. We are going to do membership groups that where you can go into the group and just like the podcast serves up individuals and experts, we will have very rich content and all the modalities that you can have it from, you know, from blogs to PDFs to Q&A sessions on Google Hangouts to webinars every week. So you can, we'll break apart the problem of education, life, and career planning and how do you develop that vision for your life into weekly segments. It'll be like a little mini university. Again, not just with one expert, me talking about it, that's fine. You know, there are plenty of great people that have been great successes at that. But I, I didn't want to do that. We didn't, my partner and I didn't want to do that. We want to have as many experts as we need to have. It'll be scores of experts who get on every week and share their experiences and their modalities so that listeners around the world can get the best of the best. This will be the, the Harvard, Princeton, and Yale of uh, the University of Chicago or Berkeley or whatever the great schools are around the world. This, this is what this, we intend to do with this. That brings us to the end of part one of my interview with Don Hutchison. Starters, don't forget to tune in on Wednesday when Don puts his coaching hat on and coaches you on how to discover your talents and do what you love. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Start A New Show. We invite you to be more than a passive listener. Be a starter. Join our community and snag exclusive freebies from Symbol and her guests at letstartanew.com. Create your vision of freedom and fulfillment right here on the Start A New Show.